0: podcast one presents let lisa help former insult comic lisa lampanelli is now a full-fledged life coach and she wants to help you whether you like it or not join the former queen of mean as she continues her journey as the queen of meaning she'll share her life experiences the tools she's learned along the way and a healthy dose of humor so if you have a problem let lisa help and now here's your host lisa lampanelli
1: Hey. Everybody, it's Lisa Lampanelli, the former queen of mean, now the queen of mean, the empress of inspiration. I could go on and on, but I won't because today on the show we have Ron Bennington, an amazing interviewer and the star of the Ron Bennington show on Sirius XM. Today, we're going to be talking to Ron about past life regressions, dreams, hypnosis, and all the other stuff we probably don't believe in but are kind of willing to be open to. We will also talk about comedians and if they can be vulnerable on stage and still make a living. And we will be asking ourselves the age old question, huh, should we work on ourselves? It's kind of uncomfortable. Here's my interview with Ron Bennington.
0: This is Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli.
1: My special guest today in studio is one of my longtime favorite people. And I'm not even just saying that because Ron Bennington, you know how much I love you. You are a fixture. On SiriusXM, you're in charge of a fabulous new comedy tour starring a bunch of people who I pretend to not like but actually like, including Rich Foss, who I just (laughs) saw on the street with his gay little dog. And you basically go deep with people in interviews. And that's why I love you. You interviewed me for AOL Build at the time years ago. And I always loved your Unmasked show because Ron is a comedy expert. How did you first become like hooked on comedy? Meaning because you owned a comedy club, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Well, I, uh,
2: you know, as a kid, I I thought it was just amazing without, you know, just being a fan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I I ended up finding out that there was something close to where I lived in Florida, because I never would have been the guy who went, I love it, I'm moving right. to LA, I'm moving to New York. Uh, I, I grew up outside of Philly, so we don't have dreams. You know, nobody... <laughs> yeah, I, I always thought that the best thing about the Rocky movie was everybody telling him that he couldn't make it, right? you know, right. because that is the truest part of that whole movie. right? So when it got uh, close... Uh, my chick was like, please just go over and do it. You know, yeah. and I did it, and, and it was a lot of fun. And, and, and I found out that doing it yourself was going to be easier than waiting every Monday to do six minutes. And so I just started, you know, getting some rooms in hotels and stuff. And that eventually led to me getting a club, which from promoting my club mm-hmm. led to, hey, dude, you'd be great morning
1: radio. So, so, so you actually wanted to be a comic first?
2: Yes, and I would never even said, uh, yeah, I had done open mics, opened the clubs, uh, and emceed them, mm-hmm. and then what I, what I would do was hire somebody to MC, and I would do a little bit of road work and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you could, back in those days, it was the 80s, so you could do that just in Florida, mm-hmm. you know, Georgia, Alabama, and you could make a living in those sure, You could sure. make a living very, very quickly. Uh, and then from promoting, I don't know if you remember, kind of in the 80s, most comics weren't Good on the radio. It wasn't until broadcasting, right. right, where they would let loose. They came in very tight. Mm-hmm.
1: They didn't want to do their material. Yeah, they never said they wanted to burn punchlines. Right. I it's always like it's like Doritos. You just make more. Right, and the fact is, you're not going to get anyone into your theater or your club date if you're not funny on the radio. So it doesn't make sense. It was a very uh, strange thing, and obviously, in this business, there aren't a lot of teachers.
2: Yeah, you know I mean, most people go in on their own. And just try to figure it out as they go along. But you had the instinct to to promote yourself. You've always been an amazing promoter and always had this very strange thing where you could be honest about stuff, which is very compelling radio.
1: Well, I much rather that no one – I'd rather have it out there other than trying to hide stuff. Right. Because, you know, the people who try to hide weight loss surgery or hide divorce or hide things you're working on, it's like, come on, man. They're going to find out. And yeah. like the, that guy, uh, the sex trafficker, yeah. some some guys up today for a big hearing. Get for a yeah, that guy. Yeah. I'm like, well, like you had secret suit and they were really effing bad. So good. Yeah. You know, just don't you like to live life? Because you seem to me also you're a very honest guy. Like you're on the radio being yeah. honest every effing day. So you work on yourself. You clearly have made huge advances in your personal life. What do you think holds people back? From this honesty. I think
2: fear is mm-hmm. so much more powerful than we give it mm-hmm. credit for. And I i think my central emotion from when I was a little kid is fear. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I was very, uh, i uh, you know, I was a kind of a mama's boy. I mm-hmm. did not like to not be in the same place that she was. I didn't see it as a safe universe. Some people do, and I, right. I admire that. But ever since I was very little... I was like, where, "Where's the? Is this where the bad stuff happens? Is this, you know?"
1: Where do you think that came from? Like, do you have any idea? Do you have any recollection of something bad happening on the outside or with your dad or anything like well, that? Well, the the thing is, and I
2: learned this through therapy, is I had a very bad birth. Right? Oh. I was a kid that had the cord wrapped around his neck back when, you know. Um, Childbirth was pretty confusing. Mm -hmm. You know, drugs were being done and all that kind of stuff. So it was one of those things. I didn't have enough oxygen. I was baptized immediately because it was a Catholic hospital because they didn't want to send me to limbo. That was the number one
1: concern. Don't let this baby go to limbo. And for you non Catholics who yeah. actually are all right to be thinking how <laughs> effing insane that is, yeah. If babies died before they were yeah. were baptized, you went to this nether world in between heaven and hell, and you're kind of stuck there till what happened. Enough people pray for you? Yeah, I don't know. It's you're, just, random. you're just you just stay there because they didn't know what to do with you. Oh it's my a very God. misfit toy thing.
2: So. <laughs> I was immediately baptized as Joseph. That's really? Right. Yeah. And then the, later they went, well, he's going to live. Do you want to keep that name? And my mom was like, no.
1: But You got a second chance at a decent name, Ron. <laughs> How aren't you just full of gratitude for that? <laughs> it's very odd. It's yeah. It's very odd. So, uh,
2: you know, that was one of those things where I was uh, put in an incubator for 10 days, wasn't <laughs> held. So, you know, I'd been sure. with a, you know, a kind of therapist who said, "No, of course, you're not going
1: you didn't come into a safe universe, yeah. you know? Yeah. And the, the thing is, too, you know, all these Yentas who think that they could have these home births where they hold the baby mm-hmm. in the water and this and that, and that ain't the answer either. So right. there has to be something in
2: between. Right, there are. And there, and there's starting to be these, you know, birthing centers with right. doulas and right. all that stuff. And then if something goes sideways, you have a doctor sure. who's close.
1: Uh, But but, yeah, just being born into that, you know, my shrink always says, uh, actually, it's a functional medicine doctor. She always goes, do you want to do a past, not a past life regression, but a regression back into the womb and stuff? Yeah. And here in this, I don't want to do it because I don't, I have enough drama from my childhood. I don't need to invite in more from when my parents were having sex. It's disgusting. I had one of those.
2: Did you do that? Therapy and hypnosis. What was it like? It's a very long story. I wouldn't want to... Uh, bore you with it, but it was an insane.
1: Have you done hypnosis no. and all that? So uh, I tried to do it yeah. to lose weight years ago before the weight loss surgery, right. and I just fell asleep. Yeah, I just always fall asleep it during does meditation. Feel good, I know. It? And they go, "It works if you fall asleep." I'm like, "No, but you just probably weren't even talking after I fell asleep." So yeah. I don't believe you, charlatan. So yeah, did you learn something about yourself from that? Well, I. Uh, and this was, you know, kind of
2: many years ago uh, that I was going through a bunch of new agey type, mm-hmm, sure. you know, stuff. But I had done this thing and I was with her and I was actually wondering whether or not I should have done it. You know, I went in a little apprehensive and she took, takes me all the way back and I'm eh, I'm gagging like that and, you know, going through and she grabs my oh. throat, right? She grabs my throat and I'm literally choking while this is happening, remembering. And hypnosis is a a weird thing. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Because who knows whether you're creating it, whether it's memories. Quite frankly, uh, it's never come across. So she's choking me while it's happening. And this is, believe it or not, pretty traumatic. Wow. And then she goes, now go back before. And I'm in the womb, and uh, she was doing like, what is going on right now? And I literally remember saying this. I go, there's something wrong <gasps> with the baby, right? It's like almost talking to myself in the third person. We go back even further. She keeps taking me back. And the next thing I know, I have these visions of being someone else, being a young boy, with a dog somewhere out west. Oh, my God. And we went all through that. And, again, am I creating this? And I would say I am a creative person, but I don't think I would have created no. this character for myself, a stuttering, incredibly shy boy who whistled, had a dog, and no friends, no mom that I can remember, and a stern father. Wow. Right. Right.
1: So to by doing that, which I love the fact that you as a radio personality and as a comic will actually go there because a lot right. of people have this thing of fix yourself and then you're not funny or entertaining anymore, which you and I both know is bull. Yeah. What do you think you learn from it as far as how to conduct your life and co- confront your demons that well, you deal
2: with? that was, you know, that was a big part of it because all this came from I had quit drinking white knuckle style and wow. because of that I started to have panic attacks which I'd never thought I'd never had mm-hmm. but then I remembered oh when you were four years old you basically had panic attacks were you some of these things that you were uh, upset about because your mom wasn't there or being dropped off at school mm-hmm. was literally a little boy having a panic attack wow. you know so the the funny thing about all this kind of work to me is is because people want to go, oh, did that really happen or didn't it? But I, I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell, who says basically, just take the signs for what it's worth and your mind will start and help you solve stuff. Right. So, this thing, did I really have a bad, uh, uh, you know, a past life or was I doing this to solve some of the problems that I have in my life? Mm. And one of the things that happened when I was doing this past life regression, which I'd never heard of before. Mm -hmm. And then later I went and read the book, uh, many minds, many masters about this Mm -hmm. psychiatrist who was uh, hypnotizing people and and they would go into past lives without him asking them to, you know, so he started to uh, study it. But so we're moving around in this shy kid's life, Mm -hmm. stutters, whistles, not a big communicator. And, she said to me, "Go to the end of that life," mm. and I was being buried alive, right in this thing, in a in a World War One trench, right. So we went back through this thing, wow. and she had to pull me back out of that. And the and the thing right before that that had happened in this uh, life was he had gotten to France. And for the first time in his life, was drinking at this bar with girls and music Mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. Not talking to anyone, but having literally the time of his life. Just being like, this is so great. I'm alive. There's girls here. There's music. yeah. Um, And that was the last thing before he was sent into this place where, you know, he was in the trench that collapsed on him and he died. Yeah. So that whole thing... Now you come back out, you know, brought me back out of that and that, oh, and by the way, why I'm sober, I'm clean and sober when I'm doing this, Mm -hmm. but I'm so drunk and I'm so happy telling this story Yeah, and I just wanted to stay in that thing. And then, you know, you come back out of that and, you know, uh, here I, uh, and you try to figure out, even if I made that up in my mind, why would I? Mm. And here's this thing where alcohol was a a place to feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh It was a place to feel comfortable around people and around girls and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, I do make up stories. I'm creative, but I wouldn't make it up that story. Right. You know what I mean? That right. story is not even that exciting. It doesn't have,
1: you know, enough to hold attention. Well, with. But what's funny is why it holds my attention is that whole description of how you felt. Because to me, you know it's not the action that's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's the actual feeling. Right. And, and you could just see on your face and on, I can't can I even imagine that guy's face, you're, you know, in your uh, regression, just that peace and happiness and love that he felt and that safety. Because that sounds, right. despite the fact that he had to go in the trenches, it sounded like he found a safe place. So, of course, alcohol is going to be a safe place. Yeah. And, you know, with you saying, I don't know if I made it up or not, I've heard, and I think this is true, that dreams, and I think this applies to this too, is our subconscious way of working Working things things out while we're asleep. So I'm like, wow. I mean, we're working overtime on our stuff. So even if I have a bad dream, I always go, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because I might wake up terrified or feel pain or something for a few hours. And then you go, yeah, but it was useful somehow. Right. And then you kind of figure out how. Yeah. So I think this was, I'm so glad you were open to doing that. One thing I don't understand is why was she choking you? Because that seems like she was just having some fun. Yeah. I I, I, <laughs> I mean, you feel like you're choking yeah. and then she's actually choking you. There is no doubt
2: that we probably got too close as therapist and right. patient. You think? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but she said that she wasn't choking me that hard. She just had a hold of my neck. But right. it felt like choking. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe hey, whatever she, it is, what yeah. it is. You know, if I have to play a bono, bottom every once in a while, let's do it. Hey, let's you know what?
1: They, well, I've yeah. even played a bottom in my life. <laughs> now, do you find ha, – have you ever met a comic? Because you've interviewed every great there is. I mean, honestly, is there anyone that you have not in interviews that's a great – that you go, wow, he got away?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Or there's she. always been th- – there's always people out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's always interesting to me – is, you know, it isn't so much always about comedy to me. It's always about creativity. Yeah. And the comic is the best place to figure that out because Mm -hmm. it's a a one-person show all the time. Right. But the thing that even interests me about it, and and, and it ties in with this other stuff that we're doing with the subconscious, Mm -hmm. you're one of those people that's very, very fast on stage. Mm -hmm. Faster. Mm -hmm. I would say that can humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And that's what's interesting to me. How does a comic struggle to write a great joke for two weeks, four weeks, ten weeks, but can write an immediate comeback faster than a human can do that? Mm. You know what I mean? And I always, you know, you brought up uh, seeing Rich Foss today. He's incredibly
1: fast. So fast. Yet yet no career whatsoever. No, no, no. (laughs) That's because his natural laziness. (laughs) Being a real
2: writer. And some of that, I think, comes from oh, it if it comes easier, it doesn't come at all. I don't want to do it unless it's oh, the easiest, a, fastest thing. That's an interesting
1: And I, I fall point. into that. You know, what's funny too, have you ever, because, you know, that, like I say, the comic argument that always bugs me is the I don't work on myself because it'll make me less funny. I right. have to stay damaged. Have you ever met a comic that that's actually true? Like, thank God they stayed damaged or they wouldn't have been good? I mean, I know Gilbert Gottfried is. A friggin' mess. Yeah. So maybe he'd lose that character, but I wonder what he'd be if he actually got outside himself and worked on his stuff. Like, guys like that? Yeah, I think you're born
2: a certain amount. My favorite comics are born that way.
1: Mm. There are a lot of people who aren't funny,
2: but they study the mathematical thing of being funny. Gilbert is a guy who is funny. Yeah. Nothing is going to get in the way of that. Nothing would stop him from being funny. It just doesn't exist, you know?
1: So I'm the only one. So it's just an excuse to stay sick. Do you think, you know, not getting therapy and things like that. Do you think that's what comics and, say, artists, uh, painters, say that to themselves just because they're comfortable with the pain?
2: Well... Change is the hardest thing mm. in the whole world. Who wants to do it? So any excuse that you can make to not do it works, you know?
1: You're right. Like, I like yeah. don't want to do, – who wants to be uncomfortable? Well, you that's know? the thing. That That's why quitting booze or drink or drugs is so hard because – Food is even because 100%. you go. I don't want to feel the discomfort of feeling the feelings. Right. So we'll do anything to anesthetize anything,
2: ourselves. anything, and that's the that's the natural thing. I mean, what always kills me is some of the greats who died because of mm. not changing. Right. Um, that's way more heartbreaking than someone who just has a messy life because that's none of. What do I care? Yeah. What do yeah. I care? Just go up, do your special be funny mm-hmm. and if i don't have to hear about the rest of it i'm fine with that but their life is the thing you know mm. what i mean they i would I, I would hate the f- fact that anybody continues to torture themselves because they don't believe at their core
1: mm. that they have this talent and that's hard to right. admit well look at ralphie may ralphie yeah. i loved as a human, what a great guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I think, you know, just a, a sweetheart, like a, one of those mushy, sweet right. heart people and uh, having the weight loss surgeries twice and gaining the weight back and then uh, passing away. You just go, um, I hate when people say, you know, robbed the world of his talent. But he was bringing joy right. to people. So that's sad to me.
2: Yeah. What he robbed was his wife and children Yeah, of having that person. And, uh, you know, through the years I've met a lot of families um, that I kind of call them legacy families who mm-hmm. they're now responsible for that work. How do they keep that, you know, how do they keep some of that work out there? Mm-hmm. And uh, Kelly Carlin to me is the central person for that. I try to send people right. to her because she's done an amazing job with George. Yeah. And, you know, the New York Comedy Center up in Jamestown. Have you been there yet? Yes,
1: I just did that last year. I performed there.
2: Isn't that That an amazing amazing. place you go through that and it makes you think, okay, comedy is way more important Mm -hmm. than we've ever, you know, given it before.
1: Yeah, because comedy... Does not get respect, obviously, because there's no awards for it. They tried to do comedy awards years ago, remember? They tried to be a comedy union years ago, but nobody bought in because every comic is such a money grubber that they were like, well, I'll work for him even if he stole from you. Right. So uh, no museum, no nothing. But the fact that they finally have a museum, why do you think comedy is viewed as like a lesser art? Whereas every actor will tell you it's harder than what they do. Oh,
2: Absolutely. Uh, I think because actors are ready to give something reverence, Mm -hmm. which is the exact opposite of comedy. Ah, You know what I mean? No one can sit around and talk about – we wait until someone dies. And then we go, oh, Pryor, oh, you know, Carlin. Right. Um, But we don't do that about people who are living today. You know, you're not like, oh, my God, Brian Regan, isn't it amazing? Right. Right,
1: writing ability. You know, we're like, yeah, he's good. You know what I what know. I mean? yeah. Yet and then they'll pick up the one joke they don't like that isn't funny. You know what I mean? That is so I, true. It, it is. And it's and and everyone has an opinion about yeah. comedy. When I used to do comedy, I'd be on a plane and you know it's hard to tell people to do comedy cuz first of all they're going to say one or two things which is oh, I don't like your comedy, or oh, I never heard of you, and both mm. hurt your feelings. Right? Uh, my wife loves you, but I hate you. Like, yeah. that kind of thing. It's like, what just happened? Yeah. So I know the Florentine told me once he used to lie and say he sold insurance. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so the people would
1: just shut the F up. Yeah. And, but they're always, with the opinion, they're always like, you know, who I don't find that funny anymore. And yeah. It's like, I don't care. Yeah. Chris Rock. Oh, really? Really, yeah. Really? And Seinfeld, out. too. Yeah, like, that's what cracks me up. People will never say – I mean I I think to a lesser extent – tell me if I'm wrong – you know Emma Stone, she's not very good. Like yeah. I don't think they do that to actors as much. Do you think? Well, I think the amazing thing is if you look at music, if mm-hmm. you have three songs people know,
2: yeah, nine minutes, mm-hmm. you do that the rest of your life, and people, right? Just saw this thing of uh, Eddie Money has canceled his tour because he has, uh, like, Eddie Money hasn't really done. You know, he peaked literally in the seventies. Yeah, but he's able to tour that material for the next forty-five years. Yeah,
1: comics can't. Yes. Somebody will be yelling out your punchlines, which is why Brian Regan started doing this encore yes. where people would yell it out. It's like, hey, wait. People want to hear it. Sure. It's a classic. Uh, uh,
2: I was with – and here's another reason I think about comedy. It's hard to say Jerry Seinfeld, Ralphie May, they do the same thing because they're so different. Yes, Everything yes. about them is different. And we don't have that same thing of this is what a comedian is. You can do it in so many different ways that it's hard for everybody to agree on it. I was with uh, Seinfeld and Ricky Gervais. Mm -hmm. They have totally different viewpoints and they were kind of, you know, chesting up in a creative way right? of like Jerry is like, he'll take out 10% of his jokes every year. That's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ricky wants to get rid of everything and then he starts everything at the same time. Like he goes out and does – you know, for a while before he shoots a special, 45 new minutes. That's Damn. insane. It's wow. It's crazy. Um, and he brought out uh, – he had me and Jim Norton with him when he did it at this theater. And he would go out and then he brought me up for 10 minutes so we mm-hmm. could take a break. He came back. Uh, he put Norton on for 10 minutes. But I'm watching him. With this brand-new material, he's got it written on his wrist. Nice. And it looks like he's coming out of a fight every every break
1: that he had. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Because it takes so long to develop sure. it that way. I know my one of my heroes, just because he's such a gentleman, Jeff Foxworthy, who's a, uh-huh. a legend. My manager told me how he will – because she works with him – He'll go up for a new special and just have everything on index cards and has a big trash can next to him at the Atlanta punchline and nice. he'll go, okay, I think he does it for free Yeah, and he just goes through, he goes, okay, what do you think of this one? What do you think of that one? Wow. How do I improve that one? And that's vulnerable. Yes. Do, do you think, you know, because there's so much talk about vulnerability now and how, you know, with Bernie Brown's work and everything that vulnerability is super important for connection, I always think now that I retired from comedy – I always thought of myself as a comic. I think what I actually was, and I told this to Dr. Drew and he got it, and he thinks a lot of comics are like this. I'm not really a comic. I just was looking for a way to connect. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm connecting in different ways with life coaching and workshops and you know things like this, you don't need the connection. That, that was a tool. The comedy Absolutely was a tool, for the connection is yeah. what we want. Do you think in order to get vulnerable, you have to get out of comedy? <sighs>
2: it's such again just like we we're saying what's it take to be a comedian mm-hmm. all these things matter to each individual mm. i mean what you've done and i remember when you first told me mm-hmm. you were going to make this move i thought oh my god that's who does that yeah. who who has got a successful fan base mm-hmm. walks away and go i'm doing something else it's yeah. very uh it's very very frightening it's very uh, I think a lot of comedians are compulsively driven, as it is mm-hmm. um, Jim Norton is pretty upfront about it you yeah. know what i mean he 's able to say no if i don 't do this, I have a terrible day if i don 't get to the cellar, if i don 't wow. I, re- I remember um nine eleven that Jimmy was on the air on o n a complaining that the the
1: the clubs is going to be
2: closed. Yes, that the clubs are closed.
1: Oh, I agree with him yeah. because at the time I had a show at Caroline's the day after. And yeah. And it was just when I had started headlining at Caroline's. I'm like, I can't believe my Caroline <laughs> show is going to be called off. Yeah. You know, and you go, wow. What's the difference between me and Norton, I always found? The minute I started doing theaters and didn't have to go to clubs anymore, I you couldn't pay me to get in one just to watch. He loves that stage. Yeah, and he—you uh, say with him not going on stage is a bad day. With mm-hmm. me going on stage, started to be not a bad day, but not a great one. Right. So I think that's how you follow that joy. It's not this thing of where you go, oh, I reinvented myself. No, you, I paid attention to wasn't making me what wasn't making me happy anymore. Yes. So do you feel too with you? Because you've evolved. You haven't stayed in one sort of track Absolutely. your whole life. Yeah. What do you think about that evolution? Did it take bravery or it's almost like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to be a coward and stay in something I don't like anymore.
2: Some people get bored easy. I always thought that if I was a businessman, the startup would be the only thing that would interest me. Yeah, you know I mean, I love when I have a new show, you know, and oh, you, you put so much more work and thought into it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you get a show up and running. Yeah. You know, and that's why I wasn't surprised with like with Chelsea Handler. Yes. Walked away. Yeah. Because Letterman sat around and said he was unhappy for decades. Wow. You know, he just wanted to, you know, keep the show at the same platform. Yeah. And if you look at his career, he, all the interesting stuff that we know about him happened in like the first five mm. years, you know. Right, right. You know, he's still doing pet Whatever that was, Super Petrix, I loved Petricks, it, and, and, and the, the top, top ten list. Lists, yeah, you know he had done those long after they mattered to him. Yeah, you know because you, you're it on network, to us. Yeah, you're on network TV, and they go don't change stuff mm-hmm. that's working. So from a personal viewpoint, I think we all like the beginning mm. of projects, unless we're the type of person who like it safe. But comics don't normally Um, like that you know
1: yeah like i remember you saying uh right before i retired like a year before i was like "Ah, i remember what it was like open micing that was so much fun and it didn't seem like that much fun back then but of course you look back and you go oh okay yeah i'm really fantasizing here yeah at the time you hated it right and you you're just writing all the time and you thought you were surrounded by friends other open micers but they were probably dicks too so you never know um Do you feel like you – how old are you? You're 50? 60 now. Oh, you're 60. 60. Okay, so I'm about to be – oh, I'm about to be 58. Do you think – because I'm at the age right now where literally, Ron, if you said to me you're not allowed to accomplish anything other than play and fun the rest of your life, I'd say I'm in. Mm. Are you at the point where you're like I'm cool if I don't accomplish anything else or do you still like the accomplishment?
2: Well, you know, I get – I get those thoughts, and I didn't have them a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I get those thoughts of what if I just, you know, enjoy life. Mm-hmm. But what would I do? I'd probably end up with people talking. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I love about the interview process, mm-hmm. if. Me and you sat down and had lunch, we wouldn't get to this point. I wouldn't have told you that I did a past life regression. Yeah. Yeah. Which I had no plans on doing yeah, yeah, on my yeah. way here. <laughs> That's not going to break up. But something about these microphones, right. they make it closer, you know, than it could be. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I
1: love or, that. Yeah. So so to you, it's a, it's a it's still happy, still fun, yes. still content, still joyful in with and, and, and is there ever... Moments on your show or preparing for the show or after the show where you're like, oh, God, I need to end this effing thing. Like, do you ever have experiences on the show that you resent? And oh, liked? yeah. I mean, I've done it for
2: 30 years. So, yes. Has the,
1: of the, has that gotten less and less, though, as far as discontent and you've made it exactly what you want it to be? Uh, I never felt like I've done that
2: perfect show yet. Wow. And I've had it in the back and I will aggravate my producers <laughs> by saying look what we, you know, and we'll have a great show and I go, but we got that one thing wrong, you know what I mean? And I've just recently had to pull that back because not everybody cares about it as much as you
1: do. Oh my god, the fact that you said that I love yeah. because my brother is a uh, uh, one of the producers of Sports Center on ESPN uh-huh. and we're both very obsessed with like getting everything right. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, like we are painfully aware of every punctuation mark in an email mm-hmm. and every capitalization and spelling. And he once said to me, I go, What the F is wrong with all these people? Can't they F in spelling? He goes, No one will ever care about this more than we do. Mm-hmm. So, it's true. we're those types of people. We want that perfection. Yeah. So, what's funny is I find it hard to believe that the show I did with you with Jim Norton, Rich Voss and the member of Bell Biv DeVoe isn't your favorite. <laughs> Remember that guy yeah. came in yeah. from boys to men. Yeah. The guy stops by and it was like, Hey man, come in the studio. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're having him in a room of insult comics. This was great. Isn't
2: that always funny too, about Sirius XM where yes. you don't know what's going to happen on any given day. It's that somebody, Yeah. Because really... people just
1: randomly walk by Yeah, you go, Hey, Hey, grab that guy yeah. grab that celebrity hey there's cardi b want to come in
2: yeah you that know? kind of stuff happens all the time
1: yeah do you to... do you find that a, do when you pull a guest in who's walking by do your current guests resent it well i don't normally no normally it's
2: thrilling to people And yeah. I, I remember i had voss in one day mm-hmm. and then uh gary oldman came in right? Whoa! and this was the year that he won the oscar but then I remember Voss asking him some stupid questions oh. about some little-known movie that he had done 23. and I'm Just like, to show
1: off that he saw he, the movie? Whatever he, you
2: know, who God knows awesome. where he's obsessed. But you just, you want to stop that. You know what I mean? Right, You want right. to just like,
1: please. Oh, Jesus. Um, well, we like to pull focus. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. God forbid an Oscar winner would get a chance to speak. Right. I get it. I yeah. get it. And you know what? I actually was talking to somebody about this this morning. I have to, wherever I go now really make an effort to pay attention to other people talking Mm. and pretend that it comes easy to me. I, of course, have – I think in my mind, boy, I bet I have better stories than this Yenta in the community theater group, but I got to open up and listen or else how am I going to learn that they're interesting?
2: Well, I always – interviews especially to me, I I use this example and, of course, it turns off everybody – uh, but I've, I find it very sexual and very much like sex, mm-hmm. where you're trying to get the other person mm-hmm. to get off. Right. At least from a male point of that's view. That's a great point. So, no one has ever said, Oh, I'm really good in bed. I can come in a minute and a half. You yeah. know, I mean, I come so fast. Yeah. yeah. I'm great in bed. Right. This guy's fantastic. <laughs> you want to find that other person's right. spot. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's always important to me to To create a a, a safe place mm. where everybody can talk without judgment, I really when I watch TV news interviews and they have the gotcha moment and all that, mm. it kind of makes me sick because yeah. it's the exact opposite. Now I understand, you know, if you have a senator on and he's, I mean, I'm I'm sure that stuff's important, but. The The art of the interview, the excitement of the interview is the exact opposite mm. of that. It's about finding those spots that people can go yeah. and, and feeling safe with each other.
1: Well, what's good is you still, like you said, you haven't had your perfect show yet. There's mm. always like a, a sea hair of a, yeah. a a thing that you haven't achieved. So it's almost like there's still this thing that spurs you on. Exactly. Nice.
2: Maybe I do that to myself too. Of, it could be a little better so I don't have to think. Right. Uh, I peaked.
1: Well, well what do you? Uh, I we need to take a break. I want you to help me with some viewer slash listener problems, if you will be fine so because you're a very smart and wise person. What do you find, though? Before we break, what's your big thing you still work on? Do you st- still have something that you're like, you know what? Oh man, this is my big one. Yeah. Well, I'll never
2: get beyond, you know, the drugs and alcohol are a daily thing, mm-hmm. but. I And this is almost embarrassing because it doesn't sound very masculine, mm-hmm. but I just recently got into the Marie Kondo stuff. Oh, I love it. Tidying up. Mm-hmm. So I just went through all my clothes. Can't wait till I get to my books. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait to throw out books now that I'm doing this. Excellent. Because I've had, a lot, I've had a lot more stuff than I need or use. And then after that, to get to papers.
1: Yes. I'll so like, you're
2: literally doing it like I'm going to do it all the book. way. I mean, I'm just going to give it up yeah. and go along with it. What's the worst that happened? I threw out, you know, some old hats.
1: I know. But
2: why do you think you held on to so much stuff? Lazy, lazy, because a man can put on a 12-year-old sweater and feel okay about himself. Yeah, right, right. And, and I was thinking as I'm throwing this stuff out, in high school that would have been death to me if I was wearing something as a senior that I wore as a sophomore. right. But as an adult male, I'm like, yes, this is
1: still so good. Yeah. You know, it's just dumb. Do you have that thing because I have it of just in case. I have to hold on to this just in case. I, yeah, I thought I, I I guess
2: there's that, but I think there's also who, you know, who cares? And then your life becomes cluttered. And I really do uh, think I'm going to get to the end of this mm-hmm. and, clutter- and unclutter my mind. I think that's I don't I don't yeah. think it's about this stuff, as much as it is, mm. I really do think it's about. And now, you know, can you think better? Can you react better? You know? well,
1: I totally agree. Because I took a workshop once up at Kripalu, um, in the Berkshires called, um, you know, Decluttering or something. Yeah. And legitimately, like, it ends up. I'm like, wow, I didn't even come here to declutter stuff. It was about, like, getting rid of friendships that don't work anymore, getting rid of those thoughts that don't serve me or emotions that don't serve me. I was like, oh, that's a big thing, you know? And it all just works together.
2: Isn't it strange that you can have these so-called friendships that are so old, but you no longer have anything? But if you completely
1: disconnect, you feel like a bad person or you let them down? Well, it's interesting because I... Declutter my friendships once in a while because it's obvious that person's got to go right. like when it becomes like oh my god they suck the energy out of me or I'm doing it to them or something yeah. like right now I'm so disconnected from two friends of mine that I was super close to around Christmas and I have no idea why because I thought everything was okay. So I'm like, did they just declutter me? And I didn't know that? And, you know, I kind of want to ask them. I want to, yeah. because it's a couple. And I want to say, if you decluttered me, that's okay. But let me know, because mm-hmm. the discomfort, as again, discomfort right. is difficult, is killing me. But then, Ron, I think my lesson might be to live with the discomfort and figure out how to not eat over it or obsess over it. So the beauty in discomfort, which is the title of a book that's really good, is that you get to sort of feel your feelings and what comes up for you. So what comes up that I've been pushed aside? Mm -hmm. It might come up that I feel abandoned. It's like, and then working through that. So I think a lot of this serves us. Right. And even if I go, would I choose for these people to have decluttered me? No. But if they did, I guess I have to learn from it.
2: That's why I like work friends, project friends. Mm -hmm. Like we're working on a project. Right. Not getting together to, you know, waste time. You know, when when you stop drinking, you're like, I just can't sit around for four hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I drank, mm-hmm. yes, sure. I love my alcoholic friends, I love my drug addict friends. Right. But look, we were just talking about Voss. We love him in the creative setting, mm, but to do course. what Bonnie does, take him home. Oh, his oh wife. Oh, my God. Yeah,
1: poor Bonnie. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. God bless people who find their spiritual and emotional equal, who, or have to, they, who can fit their dents together, because, you know, I certainly haven't been able to. All I've found is a dog so far, and I think I'll keep it that way. Right. Um. But, Ron, will you come back and help us? Yes, I will. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here with the fabulous Ron Bennington, and Ron, a Tell people real quick what channel you're on and what time you're on on SiriusXM. Well, what I really want to
2: promote is Bobby Kelly, yes. uh, Jim and Florentine, Rich Voss, and I with the Creeps for Kids Tour dot <laughs> And this was Bobby's idea mm-hmm. of you take these people and you know Florentine, him, and and uh, uh, of course Voss, and they said, "Here, are these idiots, <laughs> but they're good dads." Yeah, and then that got me into. When, when he invited me to do some stuff with him, that got me into asking people like that. And it's amazing oh. how much comedians have in common in the way they treat children. Wow. It's fascinating. That's really great. So yeah. to, to learn about the tour. Creeps with kids, all Ks. Creeps with kids. Yep. Uh, tour.com. It's going to be really, really fun.
1: Excellent. And also uh, you are on channel... I don't
2: know all the channels. I you don't, don't care. Yeah.
1: Uh, hey. Oh, that, That's what I mean. Yeah. So he's on the Faction channel on SiriusXM during the afternoon. I freaking Good love fact. your show. Thank you so much. Your show is literally other than Howard, the only one I listen to. Well, no, no, no. And I called you up once and I said, I'm going to continue to call Ron and barge into his show any chance anytime I get. You, anytime you want. You're always welcome. Excellent. We'll be right back with ron bennington and more of the podcasts you never thought you could live without even though you probably can let lisa help with me lisa lampanelli hey
0: this is let lisa help with lisa lampanelli And now back to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I am your hostess with the least, Lisa Lampanelli, and this is Let Lisa Help. My special guest today is Ron Bennington. Just like real quick, you guys, do you have a problem with food and body image? Well, if you do, go to my website, lisalampanelli.com. I am doing a food and body image workshop at Kripalu in the Berkshires. That is at Kripalu in the Berkshires. It's fantastic. You'll chill. You'll do yoga, even though I don't. Um, I uh I can help you. I mean, maybe. I mean, I'll take your money, and I promise to at least give you a little bit of peace around food and body image if you give yourself over to the process of doing work on yourself because we all have to work on ourselves, right, Ron Bennington? Yes, we do. Thank you. Also, I have uh, other workshops, storytelling shows, etc., which have been killing it. So go to my website for all that, LisaLampanelli.com. If you can't spell my name, you can't come to the show or the workshops because, look— You need to be a fan and spell. Me and my brother want you to spell. Now, Ron, I have some letters from people. I feel sorry for them, but not enough to not make a little bit of fun of them. So here is one that I just love because when when did I retire from comedy? I think it was November 18th of 2018. So that's given us a few months, almost, I would say, nine months pretty much. And I still get the following email. This is from Scott in Valencia, California. I've got my sto-father – I really think he was trying to say, I've got my stupid father-in-law – I've got my stupid father-in-law having his 60th birthday on July 13th. They want me to do a roast looking for a comedian to do a skit and MC that piece of that, which I'm sure he meant the S yeah. word, and thought of you. Now, Ron, let's analyze – What's going on with Scott? Right. What do you think? Does Scott not know what Lisa Lampanelli is up to? Well, first of all, even if the <laughs> price to get
2: you to not go and roast, does he understand you've roasted some of the biggest celebrities
1: in history? I mean Donald Trump, Chevy yeah. Chase, those are the name the least, of yeah. course. Uh we had, of course, uh the David Hasselhoff the Flavor Flav. Yeah. I mean, and do does he know that what does it cost to get a comic to do those roasts? It used to pay, I remember years ago, they would pay favored nations. This thing meant you all got the same thing. After a while, I said, I'm the favorite. I'm my own nation. Freaking pay me extra. I'm not just dot, dot, dot. So first of all, Scott, I hate to inform you, but you need to have gone through my website to see that you could email me. So you do know if you look on my website, there is no mention of comedian. It even says former comedian on there. So please do not think of me when you think about roasting your piece of S father-in-law. Also, maybe... You should learn to spell, and then your father in law would probably like you better. Do you think that is the case, Ron? Do you think Scott is part of the problem? Well, Scott has no idea
2: <laughs> the the level of expertise it takes for the best people to do this, yeah, this would be like I'm setting up a trapeze in my backyard <laughs> to you know to throw my father in law of it uh, the number of people who can do a roast properly, yeah. It's you can count them on your fingers. I mean, it's a really, really
1: tough thing to do. And your father-in-law is going to hate you. Yeah. At the end of this. Right. I mean, because the thing is, even if you hire someone famous, who's fantastic and you somehow come up with a hundred thousand dollars, you would need to get someone or the twenty five hundred dollars you need to get Rich Voss to go out there. You would say you would he they would someone at that dopey party in your backyard with your wieners on a stick would say, oh, I like that guy. He's not funny. And you'd hurt our feelings. So, Scott, make your dream less, meaning don't do it. Don't ever count on Lisa Lampinelli for comedy anymore, except to be jovial and sweet on this podcast or in other shows. But, Scott, go to a psychiatrist. Go. Do you think that's basically go, what go he needs? Go immediately.
2: I'm reading the Geraldo book right now, and he and oh. kind of broke out on the roast as well. There was a handful of people. Oh, yeah, he who, was of course, great. for one of them. But, you know, a lot of the parts of the book was just how many hurt feelings came mm-hmm. off that roast. And everyone says, no, we
1: all love it. Oh, no. It's the way we say we love each other. No, no it's not. I told, I, I always tell, there was the feeling, the things that would hurt my feelings were that when people did lazy jokes about me. Uh-huh. Because it wasn't about, you don't just go, hey, fat, ugly, whore. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Yeah. If it's a good joke. Like I've told you many times the Artie Lang joke where he says, you know, if I had a nickel for every time somebody said, hey, aren't you Lisa Lampanelli? That was great. It's so hilarious. it's a great joke. So it's not lazy. It's implying fat and ugly and heroin abuse looking. Right. But it's like, ah, try a little. Yeah. So I think that's what hurts. You almost feel like, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like you're not worth the effort. So I think it yes. reinforces those two big fears of I'm not enough, I'll never be loved. If you loved me, you'd write a better joke insulting me. Right. Because a good insult, man. I remember begging to sit up front when I went to see Rickles because I was like, oh, my God, if he makes fun of me, I'm going to be so happy. It's about the effort. right? So what What did uh, Geraldo say? Would he get hurt feelings about things? No,
2: he had hurt uh, people's feelings. Uh, one of them is a person who I always thought was tough was Joan. Joan got her feelings oh, yeah. hurt because her daughter was attacked. Yeah, and that was one of the things that they all for say. Voting. Yeah, don't go to that place, and mm-hmm. he did. It didn't make the, uh, you know, it didn't make this special. Sure, but it happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, it happened. And and that's the thing. Everybody has that point where they're like, "Hey,
1: let's joke about this, except for this." Well, yeah, Trump had where you couldn't uh, joke about his money. That yes, he didn't because. Not as much of that he had. that right. he said he did. And um, Shatner about the dead wife in the pool. Right. And there was one other famous one. Hasselhoff, I don't think, had anything you couldn't talk yeah. about, which was great. He's so. Interesting because he's so shallow. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like all into bets into are off. Yeah, he bought into that real early, like, hey, right. this is just show business. Well it's interesting in my prenup, that's it shows where my vulnerabilities are. In my prenup, and thank God I had a pleasant divorce and I'm still friends with my ex husband Jimmy, it said my my sure my uh lawyer said to me, Do you want a confidential confidentiality clause in the prenup? And I said, No, I'm an open book. It doesn't matter except except How about neither one of us can make fun of each other's families? Hmm. There's something about him possibly saying my sister was this or my dad was this. It would kill me. And he would never do that. He's the guy you marry if you want a good divorce, you know? So I think, though, we all have our hot buttons and it just gets to us. And you can pretty much count, not just female comedians, but any comic will be hurt by something because they're way more
2: sensitive than people. Yeah, uh, most people get into this because they are. Yeah. Sensitive.
1: Right, right. Well, yeah. So, uh, Scott from Valencia, I'm too sensitive to do your yes. awful stepfathers. And you don't whatever. have the money, dude. Yeah. You don't uh, have the money. Nobody's rich enough to hire Lisa <laughs> The People have asked me, by the way, since retirement, would I ever do a roast again? And the only way I could think of would be, and this is not because I'm so effing charitable. If, like, Howard Stern asked me to do a roast for the North Shore Animal League, I'd do it. Yeah. Because, you know, I love the charity – I love Howard. He gave me a career for the most part. So I'm like, okay. But I really can't think of any disease or anything that I would put myself <laughs> on the line for. I can't come out of retirement just for people. right? Enough. I won, I won the gays all that AIDS money yes. from the celebrity apprentice. What do you want from me, gays? See, now they got me mad. All right. Let me see. Let's help somebody with a real problem. Okay. Hi, Lisa. I heard a podcast you were on and everything you said resonated with me. See, Ron, this is the key to getting your letter read on the air. But you always compliment me. And I uh, I absolutely agree with her assessment. I'm reaching out for my daughter who's 22 and experienced a failure to launch. Uh, she opted not to go to college and was working in retail until recently when her best friend's mom died. Oh, and the daughter was with her. That's ooh, That's got to be hard. And then hours later went to work only to be laid off. Wow, this is like down, slowly spiraling downhill. She's been in a tough place. I'm looking for someone to help her get on a positive track. I was hoping you might have a workshop or something coming up in LA soon. You know, oh, it's so sad when I'm not doing workshops and they have to fly all the way to Kropalu, November 8th through 10th. But I think, isn't it so hard to be a parent and to see your kid having trauma after trauma? God. Now, you have how many?
2: I got two. And, and now your grant, daughter works with you. Yeah, my daughter does a show with me now. and Brings the baby to work. Sometimes it brings the
1: baby to work. Love that. Yeah. And tell me how you would handle this. You see your daughter kind of, she got, I don't, I don't disagree with not going to college. I think mm-hmm. if you're not ready, you're not ready. Right. Work in retail, do your thing, go to the freaking, what do these kids do to find their stuff? They gap the year. They yeah, do whatever, a gap yeah. year. Do what you want to do. But... If you're laid off and witness somebody die, that's very difficult. Sure. So, what would you say to a daughter? Because I have no parental experience. What would you do? I first of all, uh, the best thing that you could do
2: is have marry somebody who handles these kind of things better than you. Yeah. I in my case, I would say. Uh, My wife did 99% of the parenting. Wow. She's, uh, you know, I married well. I married the nicest person I ever met in my life. And um, she, I think, and I I would always go to my mom first before uh, my dad as well. So that thing of trying to say, here's how you should handle something, Mm. that's tough for me to do.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because me personally, I think the thing that holds people back from... Getting started and kind of getting their life back on track is faulty thinking, and it's dissolving those thoughts of why we need to stay in these negative places. So, if it's me, I'm saying to the daughter, Hey, you got to first of all grieve that whole thing with your friend's mother dying, because even if you didn't know that broad, something happened that yeah. day. So, you got to process that whole thing, and then it's like Maybe she has to grieve the fact that she didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. You know, just because you thought the choice was good at the time doesn't mean now you're like, ah, if I'd have only. Sometimes I'll even say to myself from years ago, I'll go, ah, if I had been a clean comic, I wonder what would have happened. What
2: would have happened? And and that is part of life too, right? Mm -hmm. But also going towards something. Mm -hmm. uh, One of the things about uh, Creeps with Kids is I think comics let other people, their children – chase even a crazy dream because you're like you don't know how these things are going to work out anyway so i ended up in radio because i did an open mic Mm -hmm. you ended up on tv and touring because you did an open mic right other people i know own comedy clubs Mm -hmm. own or they're producers of tv shows Mm -hmm. writers of tv shows just that thing can make you go off on so many different branches right and i don't I don't know how much college sets somebody up, other than this shared illusion mm-hmm. that we think. I mean, some of these kids come out of Yale.
1: Oh what, are, oh, what are they doing? doing? They're taking pictures in my <laughs> studio. Oh, hi, Rachel. Uh, <laughs> I have, I would, by the way, I'm lucky enough to have the most overqualified person helping me today. She just graduated from Yale. She was editor of the Yale Daily News. So if anyone needs a fantastic journalist, you can have her after this week. But you can't have her this week because she's slumming and working for me. Thank yeah. you, Rachel. But on the other hand, so <laughs> Rachel doing this this week with you. She might hear some things. You never
2: know. That makes her think, I'll head... Maybe in this direction, rather, you know, uh, at one time you would have come out with her thing and went uh, just immediately to a newspaper. Yeah. That doesn't work anymore. Right. Right. That doesn't work. In my life, did I think these newspapers and magazines would disappear? I know. I'm shocked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a newspaper journalism degree. I mean, the fact that it was called newspaper journalism, that like kind of doesn't (laughs) exist anymore. So, yeah. And I think I went right to work. And then it's like, uh oh, you still at thirty get disenchanted and go on sure. to this comedy. And then at that at fifty seven get disenchanted and go into this. Yeah. So you go, ah, who knows? All I would tell that donor is don't freak out. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Try different things, not in the way of, oh my God, go to law school. Work here or there, go to this activity, have some fun, enjoy your life, and grieve that loss because it's not going to go away from pushing it down with something else. And this is that.
2: Yeah, this is less about your daughter, more about your way of handling that she's in this thing. And I always, when people ask me about parenting, I, I try to do the. Always the smart thing in quote, 38 Special, mm. the uh, Southern Rock Band.
1: Hold on loosely. That's literally it. I cannot believe I just interrupted you just to yell a lyric. See how I have to but, work on myself? But think of how smart
2: that lyric Genius. is.
1: You're not letting go,
2: and but you're not crushing them. You're not forcing them. You're not pushing right. them. You're there to support. And that's the hardest thing to do. Uh, you know, Because
1: you know what, Ron? Yeah. If you cling too tightly...
2: You're going to lose. lose control.
1: You are, Ron. Mm-hmm. And that's a fine note to end this on, Ron Bennington. I love because it. we have quoted a band with two huge hits. Yes. And we were talking before, yeah. I bet they're still milking those two oh. hits for everything they're worth. The fact is, we know every word to that song, and we couldn't tell
2: you anybody in the band.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you anybody in Lineard Skynerd. Could you? No. Uh. Yeah. I know. I, I know. Who sang Dixie Chicken, by the way?
2: Uh, that was Little Feet, Lil George. Could you name anyone in Little Feet? Other than Lil no. And they're still going on even though Little George died.
1: Well, hey, if if Eddie Money's still touring, why shouldn't they? Everybody. By the way, I need to know. I forgot to ask you then. Huh? Why did Eddie Money cancel his tour? Uh,
2: He's um sick. He's got pneumonia.
1: Oh vey. Yeah. See, people have to stop this touring. Yeah. Especially the creeps so with ex- kids, <laughs> it's so exhausting, though, isn't it? Oh my god, it's horrible! Yeah, and see, at least the creeps with kids tour, you see three to four great headliners, absolutely. You get to feel like I got this all, all I got my money's worth. You do, you really do, and then know. it's worth it for them because they actually didn't kill themselves and stay in a dopey club for a week. Yeah, and be sad. I'm glad you helped them put this together. You are the savior. Of three comics who couldn't sell out a theater, on you know. I own. think you're right.
2: I think you're right. I think I'm doing God's work.
1: You are, baby. Jesus loves you, Jesus. and that Jewish God does also. Yeah. I think He exists. Yeah, I don't know. I guess He's God's God,
2: God's Father. I Just don't know where tell that you. came in.
1: It's too much, Rachel. You're a Jew. Do you know? Not going to be of any help. <laughs> She's not of any help. Not Although Old Testament <laughs> <family>. <laughs> I actually have it's Seder family. for the first time at yeah. her house. Is that right? Twice. I'm telling you right now. They eat slow.
2: (laughs) There's
1: all this talking and yentering it up. I say this. Go to Easter. Eat a piece of cake shaped like a lamb (laughs) and an Easter egg. That's what I'm about, Ron Bennington. Ron Bennington, I can't thank you enough. Honestly, you you were at the top of my list for when I recorded in New York City. I'm so glad you slummed with me today. You're a gentleman, and I hope to see you soon. Please tell everyone everyone on your tour. I said hi, and hopefully some of them will not throw up. Yes. God I'm bless I'm proud you. of you, Tony. I really Aw, thank you, man. Thank you. And listen to Ron on Sirius XM. Listen to Lisa Lampinelli. Let Lisa help. I'm going to come back in a minute, son.
0: What did we learn?
1: What have we learned today? Well listeners, I think we've learned a lot today on Let Lisa Help. We learned that Ron Bennington used to be called Joseph Bennington. I think Ron has a better ring to it. We've also learned never ask me to do a roast unless you have over a hundred grand or maybe a million and it's for little doggies and kittens. Don't misspell in an email to me because I'll have to make fun of you on the air. And we also learned some serious stuff that decluttering your things will probably lead to decluttering nasty thoughts from your mind, things that hold us back. We also learned that interviews are like sex and Ron finished twice. You can survive, people. You can thrive if you listen to Let Lisa Help. Oh, yeah. And by the way, for all things Lisa, go to lisalampanelli.com. Come see my storytelling shows all over the country, Fat Chance and Losing It. And come to my big food and body image workshop at Kripalu. Go to kripalu.org for more info. You want to work on your food and your body, LL is here for you, henny. Listen next week to Let Lisa Help.
0: Thanks for listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. For more info on Lisa's storytelling shows, her workshops, and her life coaching services, go to lisalampanelli.com. You can also follow Lisa on the socials at Lisa lampinelli. New episodes of Let Lisa Help are available weekly on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And if you love the show, make sure to leave a rating and review.